0: All right, guys. Tuesday morning after a long weekend. Look... Uh, look... Uh, smart. Yeah. Smart.
1: <laughs> look smart. I am the smart.
2: <laughs> this is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show.
1: Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Hi. Uh, what the <laughs> a hell is that? seal in the that? room. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I am Robin O, and I am joined by Sam the Seal. <laughs> Hello. I uh, know. I am Robin O, and I am joined by Steve Barkley. Hello. <laughs> and also Ryan Flurry. Good morning. Yeah. Look at us. We are just we were just bright eyed and bushy tailed on this Tuesday morning.
3: Yeah. It sucks. Cause my wife works seven to three. So her alarm starts going off at like 10 after six. Oh, and I guess who else is up to? <laughs> yeah. The dog? Uh, him too. Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know. Well, you know what? I'm at, I'm at an age where I'm in bed by 10 anyways. Mm-hmm. Like I got nothing going on. So I mean, it's what? Yeah. Seriously. I, 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 I kind of like, I kind of dig getting up early. Like I, I kind of like it. I, I like, i my alarm goes off at seven i'm always up okay first
0: first off seven is not early
1: well (laughs) listen that's just that's
0: just a regular getting up time for all kinds of folks
1: well okay five is early well okay early then i mean i would need to
3: yeah you could sleep till 10 if you wanted to that's true how was the weekend weekend was good pretty
0: gnarly went to my friend's 60th birthday party 60th Yep, in advance of my own fiftieth. Yep, big one. He's he's always showing off. It's like, yeah, I'm ten years older. <laughs> really? <Yeah. laughs> I
1: don't know. I think after 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 I turn fifty, I think I'm going to stop having birthdays and start having, hey, I'm still alive parties. Well, this <laughs> this uh, this is uh, Greg, the guy who did the photographs. For oh us yeah, for the Greg sixty.
0: Greg sixty. Yeah. What? I know, right? You would never know what to look at him. Oh for my started. god! But on top of it, here's a guy who spends like virtually every waking hour when he's not working out, uh, taking photographs of, uh, roller derby girls and burlesque dancers. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've seen this. pictures. And they flock to him for photos. Hmm. So his birth, his main birthday party is actually next weekend. The, the, the one, uh, last night was just kind of a dinner thing. Right. His main birthday party is next weekend. And, uh, and it he he's got he's got burlesque dancers coming all the way from Vancouver Island to come and take their clothes off at his house. Oh my god. So he's living the life. You know what if if that were happening for me, I would freaking have a birthday party. Yeah, no kidding.
1: And maybe you might look as young as he does. Yeah, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. See? Boobs, they make they keep you young. Yeah. Uh, hey, so
3: uh, Ryan, Rob, what are we doing today? Today we're speaking with Kiki McDonald, co-founder of Ewan's Guide. And pray what? tell,
0: what is Ewan's Guide?
3: Well, I believe from what I could tell, Ewan's Guide is kind of a community-supported resource for people to share accessible places. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: I I, I kind of describe it as uh, Yelp for accessibility. Right. Cool. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool to talk to her. Uh, and she's in Ireland, right? Ireland? Scotland? I don't know. I get
3: those two mixed Scotland, up all the time. Scotland, I believe.
1: Is that where they're filming the Star Wars movies?
3: No, mm. that's Tatooine. No.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's Skellig. Where's Skellig? Skellig is... Or wait, no. I think Skellig's the planet. That's Google. I forget. No, I, I forget what's the name of the real place. I think it's in Ireland.
3: Ask Google. Google knows. No, that's okay. We,
1: we, we, it's fine. It's fine. We'll ask her. She'll have nothing. She'll, that'll be our first question. So forget about you guide. Where are <laughs> they filming the new Star Wars movie? And can you see it from your house? <laughs> and Did you meet Mark Hamill? Uh, <laughs> uh, no. Anyways, you know what? Before we get to that, though, uh, Ryan, did you see all this stuff um, on Twitter and the web about um, our good friend Marty Schultz?
3: Yeah, I was reading some posts here and there. I wasn't following it too closely, but interesting. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, generally, we
1: we take a crap on Apple all the time, but uh, I will say that this particular story, uh, I think, is a happy ending, which is nice to see. So um, for, for people who may not be familiar with this, uh, Marty Schultz is a, is a fella. We had on the show a while back, and he may, is an iOS app developer who makes a lot of games for the visually impaired community. and he's been making games for, I don't know two, three years now. And his output is ridiculous. Like he he must put out a game every week, I swear.
3: Like no he's, he's got he's got yeah. hundreds of games. Wow. Yeah, he can nail it down like three, four days depending yeah. on the complexity of the game.
1: Oh. Yeah. And, and I guess the way that he's been able to do that is, is actually what kind of got him in trouble with, with Apple um, initially uh, last week. Because what happened is, uh, I guess the way that he, he builds the games is that the, the initial menu system is just a template that he uses. He's, he built the template once. Uh, it's a very simple template, very easy for, for somebody who's visually impaired to navigate to get to the game. Uh, and he just uses that menu system in every single game for, for a variety of different reasons. One, I imagine to save him time. Uh, but also to make it so that once uh, somebody who's visually impaired plays one of the games, they can easily navigate any of the games. Um, and where he kind of ran into trouble, and he's been doing that for years. And so I guess recently Apple came to him because they're, they're trying to clean up the App Store because they, they spun it off from iTunes. Anything that looks like... Uh, similar to each other from the same developer they've been going to and saying, look, um, these can't be separate games. They need to be bundled together uh, because the menu system is, is almost identical. There's, no, there's virtually no difference in the, quote, content of the app. Um, and, of course, for, for Marty, this was going to create a huge problem for him. It, it, would, it would require him to go in and, and recode hundreds and hundreds of games uh, and not only that, it would remove some of that some of that ease of accessibility, because it, it would require them to to navigate a much more complex menu system in order to figure out okay, well, do I want to play Boggle or do I want to play Hangman? Do I want to play um, you know word search? What do I, what do I want to do? And so, and he was looking at you know hundreds of hours of recoding and and lost revenue and stuff. So. Uh, it was looking pretty grim. And so he was going back and forth all week, I guess, with Apple, um, trying to explain to them why um, the, the menus were, were so similar. And uh, I was just reading this morning that, sure enough, uh, I guess all over the weekend, he was talking to their, their uh, team, and uh, they ended up coming to an agreement. And so as of this weekend, I guess, the apps can stay. He can continue to, to build the apps the way that he has been. Um, and I don't know, it just seemed like it was, it was a nice story because Apple listened like they they didn't take this corporate stance where they were just like, nope, sorry. You know, uh, he wasn't, he didn't have to interact with a robot Mm -hmm. that, that just, you know, wasn't actually looking at the app and, and realizing that there was a reason for it. And so I don't know, kudos for Apple, you know, for, for actually listening and, uh, taking into account. Uh, accessibility issues and, and the, uh, the visually impaired community.
3: Cool. And that's one of the benefits of social media too, because everybody was sharing it on their Facebook posts and yep. writing letters and emails to, you know, Tim Cook and, and people at Apple. So,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm sure the community had a big part in in this as well. That's it's very true. Um, so, but it's always nice. I don't know. I always Absolutely. feel, I always feel good when, you know, a, a company actually listens and sits down and listens to the user base and, Takes things into account and just doesn't take a a ridiculous stance on things. Yep. Uh, Joining us today is Kiki McDonald, who, along with her brother, has founded a website by the name of Ewan's Guide that is a disabled access review website that is crowdsourced and that allows people to leave reviews of different venues uh, in terms of their accessibility features. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Kiki.
3: How are you? (laughs)
2: I'm well, thanks. I'm actually like that is coming across really clearly, actually. So I'm quite surprised. It's good. Uh,
3: excellent. <laughs> well, the stars must I have aligned. Yeah,
2: exactly.
3: Just to let you know, Hello. I've got two co-hosts with me in the room. I've got Steve Barclay. Steve Barclay. Hello. Hi. Hi. And Rob Minot. Hello. Hi there
1: hi hi uh, <laughs> i demand to be <laughs> acknowledged <laughs> we're not going journey any journey further up. until you say hello oh,
2: I, I think i probably said hello at the same time you were speaking i'm looking at a black screen right now so it's kind of like uh, yeah how many people
3: are there yeah there's three three of us it's just audio no yeah, video trust me you
1: don't want to see us anyway <laughs> oh, okay. it's it's 10 o'clock in the morning here on a on a Tuesday after a long weekend, so we're oh. we're rough. We're in, we're in rough shape. Let's start out and by just telling us a little bit about um, yourself and uh, Ewan.
2: Okay. Um, so Ewan is my brother, and um, he became a manual chair user about seven years ago. And uh, we set up Ewan's guide, Really, from our personal experiences of that whole thing happening, um, I would say sort of defining moment for us amazingly was, um, yeah, he had some friends coming up from London, old colleagues, to come and visit him. And he messaged me to say, Do you want to come and meet these guys that I knew, um, for a drink that night? And you know, it's kind of a simple question, and I said, Sure, but where are we going to go? And despite us both having lived in this city in Edinburgh for the best part of our lives, we couldn't actually come up with anywhere that was suitable for him as a wheelchair user to go with a group of people, which is quite a formal sort of thing in terms of having a group of people there. And we thought, it just seemed amazing to us that there weren't people writing about this stuff online, that there weren't people saying, hey, this place is good, this place isn't so good from different access requirements. And... So I think we very naively um, thought we'd set about trying to do that ourselves. And yeah, I think we knew that the people we wanted to hear from, the people that experts in our view were other disabled people, their carers, their friends and family members, they could have told us where to go that night and they could also tell us which cinema was the best one in town and the one not to go to and et cetera, et cetera. So that's where we, with very little experience other than our own personal experience of accessibility, ended up setting up Eurinskite, I would say, rather naively. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, it's a place for disabled people, their carers, friends, family members, to share their experiences of accessibility of places, venues, and thereby provide greater choice of places to go and hopefully get their voices heard a bit more... um, on where is and isn't good access wise. And we send everything to the venues as well. So they get to hear what people think about their accessibility, which I don't think really often um, gets passed on. So it's quite a simple concept, I think, in terms of most, I think a lot of people are familiar with review sites these days. There's loads of them about, it, but it's just all talking about accessibility. So um, yeah, and I think we knew that we had other, we knew we needed it. We knew other. Other people who needed it. I don't think we really realised quite how many people needed it. Um, as I say, we were quite naive when we started this whole thing. But um, yeah, it, it's proven very popular. And so I left my job to do this full time. Um, yeah, and it's, um, it's 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 it seems to be working, and it's been it's been great fun as well. Reading all the all the amazing places that people go and write up about, which um, are sometimes pretty surprising. So yeah.
1: Now, how long has the site been around?
2: Um, Four years, just almost to the day. We're just celebrating our fourth birthday.
1: Oh, well, happy um, birthday.
2: So, yeah, thank you. So, we yeah, we started here in Edinburgh, in Scotland, and we now have content in 45 countries, I think, now, mainly as people have found us, I think, largely from social media. And... Um, yeah, we're, 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 we're predominantly UK, though. We've got about, yeah, we've got several thousand places listed across the UK. But we're still pretty early into the whole whole process. But um, people are telling us they're going to new places because of what's written on the site, um, which is which is really exciting. So, and that's really why we did it.
1: Well, and, you know, that's, that's the really neat thing about, you know, this day and age is that, you know, something in you know, a, a website in Scotland can really have, um, repercussions all around the world because there's no reason why, you know, any venue in any country can't be, you know, taking advantage of, of, of the guy. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah.
1: And especially yeah. now with, with social media and Twitter and, you know, yeah. everything else, um, you can actually spread the word and, and really help build that, that groundswell and really yeah. like have, did it, when you, when you first started the site, was it really did it really just sort of start there in, in Edinburgh and sort of sort of spread out slowly from there? or did you have m- multiple cities and countries right from the get-go?
2: No, we, we definitely started yeah, from Edinburgh. So I think, I think our first ever tweet was asking for does anybody know any good accessible museums in Edinburgh? or what's your favorite accessible museum in Edinburgh? And we were quite lucky that the National Museum of Scotland retweeted that, um, which was nice, and um, considering we know when we were nobody. um, And and actually, yeah, one of our first reviewers was someone who ended up coming and working in the team with us. So someone who followed National Museum of Scotland was like, yeah, wrote a review of them. And that was one of our first reviews, and he went on to write hundreds of reviews. uh, a few days after writing that review, he emailed us and said, hey, I really like what you guys are doing. Can we come and have a chat? And then um, we met up and uh, we asked him if he knew in his network people who could do certain jobs that we needed done. He says, yeah, me. And um, he's been a core part of our team for the last four years. <laughs> um, so I'd say, yes, yeah, uh, we, we definitely started in, in, in Edinburgh, but Twitter was really powerful for us early on. I think there's a lot of organisations that are dealing, are working in the accessibility arena, or whatever you'd call it. Are um, some of them are quite active on, on Twitter, and yeah, we, we met a lot of people through that initially. I'd say Facebook now is maybe is possibly more powerful for us, but Twitter was 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 yeah um, really got the word out for us early on, and it it was really quite strange how the how the growth sort of started as well because we'd get certain quite areas that you wouldn't expect people starting to write reviews in there's sort of certain yorkshire towns if you know where yorkshire is in the north of england uh, parts of wales started getting covered off just because someone read it and liked the idea and thought yeah you know i can write about some places in my town i can write about a few places when i go on holiday and i, I see somewhere good and I think people get that value exchange quite quickly that if i write about somewhere that that's useful to someone else um who has similar access requirements to me and people understand how powerful and essential that information is um i think sometimes yeah we you know it's quite surprising the stuff that people do review and there's a lot of really nice stuff that people review but sometimes people um you forget about the real essentials and In our view, reviewing where there is a really good accessible toilet is is an essential for so many people. And we're trying to get more people to share that information that that they sometimes have in their heads. Um,
1: Now... Um, can you, can you kind of walk us through the process of, of how the, the review system works? So is it like, so somebody in the community can basically say, Oh, okay, well I go to this theater all the time. So do they sign up with the website and then they're able to add that venue and, and write a review on it or how does it all work?
2: Exactly. So yeah, we, we try to make it as easy as possible, but please do let us know if there's anything that isn't. Um, it's an, yeah, just an email and password sign up no more than that. And, um, we ask five questions, but only one of them is a mandatory, um, well, two essentially mandatory fields where we ask um, to give an overall score and a commentary on what you thought the access was like. Um, we also ask what it was like, get how you got to the venue, what parking or transport was like getting there, what it's like getting in and around the venue was there an accessible loo and what was it like and what were the staff like but the only mandatory things you need to say is a general comment about accessibility and if there and what were they like the accessible toilets um i would say that some people will write two lines and or maybe a few lines and give a star rating and some people will write full-on essays um we have a lot of a lot of reviews that are seriously comprehensive but Equally, um the really short reviews are really powerful too. You can say on your review if you what um what equipment you, you use. We don't ever ask people um about conditions or anything like that, but we do ask if you use say a manual chair, if you use a power chair, if you use a walking aid, etc. You can that's all optional data to give, but most people do give it because it really helps the reader understand your perspective. And we would say even if if somebody who says I'm a party user and I went to that cafe and said it was five stars and says I always go there, it's great. Even that information is actually really helpful because you know that another party user goes there, thinks it's good, um, has a good experience, and I would say that's um that for me as a as a friend and sister of party users, I would say that's actually pretty helpful information for me to when trying to pick somewhere to go. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see also the ability to, to really leave details in terms of like, cause you could, you could say, have a venue that's listed that says, yes, we're accessible. But yeah. if that's all the information that you have, like there could be other information that, that, the guide could give you that would make it even easier. Like say, well, the ex- yeah. the the accessible entrance is around the back, off you know whatever Seymour exactly. Street, and the elevators yeah. are here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you wouldn't get that from just basic, um, just like an accessibility symbol, say on a map, like you Google so, Maps like, or something.
2: And, yeah. and and I think we always we frequently say as a team, you know, I like, uh, what does what does that mean, this is an accessible venue, accessible to whom, right. you know, and and people sometimes use that term fully accessible, or they do here in the UK, and that always kind of perplexes us, because it's <laughs> sort of fully accessible to whom and in what manner. It's like, you know, maybe you have an accessible toilet, maybe you have a lift of a certain size, maybe you have... Um, braille menus, maybe you have various things, but it's it's accessible to some people, won't be accessible to others. So um yeah, we think the personal viewpoint of how a disabled person or somebody who's got access requirements got on is a lot more empowering and I think people get a lot more confidence from that, knowing that somebody's actually been there and said, Yeah, this is good. I got on well and as you say, like yeah, you need to come around this entrance or here's a picture of what the lift looks like or here's a picture of the viewing the viewing platform from the accessible area or et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, and we really encourage people to um, post photos as much as they can. We get some people who do video reviews as well, which are really cool. And that really gives just that more context to it um, because I think I think there is... I don't know what it's like in Canada, but certainly over here, there's people. I don't know if they really trust when a venue says, "Yeah, we're accessible." I think it's, it's sometimes you're not sure what that means.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would. It's it's interesting. I'm sure that from from country to country, and certainly even for us, uh, province to province, um, can be very different in terms of that. Like. Uh, you know, in Canada we have, pretty, pretty good uh, legislative laws yeah. around accessibility. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there are countries out there that, that just don't. And so having something like the guide um, would, would be a huge benefit in, the, in yeah. those countries especially.
2: Yeah, and, and um, I would say one of those countries is the UK, where yeah, the, 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 the law is so loose um and so open to interpretation um all all you in the uk what you need to do is make a reasonable adjustment for a disabled person what does that mean um and it's up to a disabled person to take the institution to to court um which people just aren't going to do right so um there's no sort of real testing of that um theory and it's really not that strict anyway um so yeah, it's really much, it's a sort of um, up to the venues to comply because they feel they should. So that's part of our job as well, to try and encourage venues and people to talk more about accessibility, talk about the importance of it, talk about the many millions of people in the UK who have access requirements, who, yeah, and and trying to encourage people to do it for that reason, um, not just because of the law. And yeah, it's it's frustrating that the laws aren't aren't firmer, but um we're hoping that by talking about a lot of the great practice out there and the many minds of people that need good access, um they will do it anyway. But um yeah, I think I think Canada and possibly the US probably do have some of the strictest regulations out there. Um so yeah, I think we need to make a visit over another excuse for a visit to <laughs> That yeah I mean Steve, Steve do you know
1: what what the actual legislation is here um, in terms of accessibility I mean I know I guess government government buildings and, and institutions and stuff have to are regulated that they have to have um, you know wheelchair ramps and, and and accessibility but but in terms of, of public spaces
0: well any any new construction that, that is happening now has to um, be wheelchair accessible uh, in terms okay. of entranceways um but um i've heard a number of people say that the uh the standards around wheelchair accessible toilets in in bc are pretty pretty lame you know they, mm-hmm. they really just include you know having a bar on the wall yeah. and, and a stall and of a certain it, size yeah. and that that doesn't it's cut it really
2: means as well, doesn't it? exactly and i from memory from going being in vancouver i a lot of them are quite, quite small as well because yeah. it's we've got that battle over here where people think that they've – well, they technically have met inadvertent kinds of regulations on or guidance on having, say, a wheelchair space or wheelchair access, but it's for the tiniest wheelchair you've ever seen in your life. It's sort of – yeah. Um, and, and most people or many people over in the U.K., are now using power tiers which are bigger and mm-hmm. and that yeah. doesn't work for them. so uh yeah sometimes the bare minimum compliance isn't actually that usable
1: and it, and it really can be the smallest thing that really throws any sort yeah. of an outing out of whack right down to like just no curb cut
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah which is a big issue yeah and and equally i think we try to get across the venues as well is that can often be a really small things that can make a really positive difference as well and it's not always about spending huge amounts of money on your venue it can be just start to think about what it's like to come into your venue as a disabled person start speaking to customers who any disabled customers and ask them how do they get on and there might be some really small things you can change it might be rehanging a door it might be yeah, having large menus, it might be that. Well, what a classic that we get over here is that people put loads of bins in the accessible loot so you can't get in. Um, apparently, someone's also been using an accessible loot as an office, which is brilliant. Um, but <laughs> well, we've not found cut, out. Exactly comes with a chair,
3: right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There was a, I think it was a clothing store and they had an accessible loot, and the, the guy who ran it was using it as his office <laughs> and the desk in it. It is great, but um, but yeah, and I, I think um, your point earlier actually about the way that social media allows us to talk across countries about accessibility and what's happening in each country and, and adding different venues and things, I think is really powerful because, you know, when you find out that, um, for example, I went on a trip to Portugal, um the other week and I find out that yeah they're mandated to have an accessible loo in every single including retrofitting every single bar and restaurant and that's not in the UK and wow. like you kind of come home and you think well if they can do it I mean why can't we do that and you know I think yeah sharing what's happening what practices are working is really powerful and yeah when you when you find out different regs and different ways of doing things I think that's that's pretty great yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that there's there's really kind of two ways to approach it. And you know, one is sort of the historical way that we've done it, which is just legislate the heck out of everything, but you know, as mm-hmm. we as we see, that's not really much of a solution at all because the the regulations are either so loose or they're just, you know, who's who's going to sue a a venue over the lack of of an accessible bathroom? So so it seems to me that that you know, social media sort of presents a, an opportunity because you can make the idea of accessibility more of a conversation, and you can you can start. Um, I mean, it seems to me that the the solution is to go after the actual venues and to make them realize that it's in their best interest to make their yeah. venue accessible.
2: Yes. No, absolutely, and tell them the the business case as well. I guess that's it's right. Like you know, in the UK, there's. 12 million disabled people, which is about 20% of the population. So I think, yeah, and there's 6 million carers. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge section of society that's not being catered for particularly well um, and thought of in that much, I think. And, yeah, we're, we're trying to get that across. I think what we come across is a lot of fear around engaging in the area because, They don't know where to start. There's also this media representation of disabled people in the UK in a way that um, a lot of it's very negative in terms of there's a lot of stories about disabled people having very terrible experiences. um, And I think a lot of venues are frightened that they're going to get it wrong and something bad's going to happen or they're going to be sued or something. And so they decide just not to engage in it at all and yeah i think it's a complicated area for them and i think they need help to work out how to get started and get going and think about it from maybe a bit more of a human perspective almost and just think they're just yeah the customers like everyone else who just happen to have slightly different requirements um we certainly come across that from venues i think a lot more venues than we thought we expected in a way want to engage in accessibility but are nervous, um, and sometimes even when you talk them through certain things and tell them that they're good, they still don't want to really tell people that they've got good access, it's, it's a funny one. Um, but yes, I think I think you're right about trying to persuade them. Um, I'm just not quite worked out exactly how to persuade them exactly yet. Yeah, no, and I, I think it's such a big job to do as well. I think we're trying to do a piece of that, and we hope that by showcasing certain venues, particularly surprising venues that are doing a really great job, that in turn sort of encourages more people to think about it. Um, But in the meantime, people writing about places that are already great is just really helpful for people. I mean, yeah, it's just, we, I mean, yeah, even us as, you know, you and I, there's now huge, many more options that we've got for, going on a short break, going out for, you know, drinks with friends, going for coffee, doing whatever, that whole process is now easier, even just with the content that's already written. And if we got everybody writing about even two or three places, you know, we could have so many more options for people to go and and just do the everyday stuff that, that people do and want to do. Um yeah, and saving all those hours of research and phone calls and can I get in and all of that sort of stuff and apprehension as well. Ewan always talks about the fear of the unknown before he goes somewhere and you mm-hmm. have that sort of nervousness of what is it actually going to be like and are the staff going to be welcoming or, you know, all of that sort of stuff.
3: And
1: so, yeah. but, but I can really see there being value in terms of the venues too, because you know, say a venue that, that wants to be more accessible, they may not know how to do that. Like they, they, and, and so in, in going in and reading the guide and reading other people's experiences at other venues and realizing, Oh, okay, well, you know what, if we just make our doorway this much bigger, that that's huge. Or So I, you know, like it's, it's, that information is is so key to so many different levels of this that, and you know, it, do you find yourself just going, you know what, I can't believe nobody thought of this earlier?
2: Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And, and people get, say that a lot. Um, I, I think people have for sure. I think, um, we've seen people who've started up many versions of a guide, maybe just in their town or village. Um, and I, and we sort of struggled with why it hasn't happened before because it kind of seems so obvious. And, and um, I think it's it is actually I think it's a it is still a really big project to do to create a site that is itself accessible. Um, right. You and you know, for example, uses I gaze. We have lots of users who use lots of different types of assistive tech, and you know, we've really um, worked very hard to try and make it as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. And that itself is. Guys will know is a it's a it's a big is a big piece of work, and it was a real balancing act. You do one piece of functionality, and you think that will help one group, and you find that that's rubbish for another group, and balancing things off. So, making a really a good site that people want to use that is accessible is in itself quite a big piece, and then trying to promote a site and get it going is, is a whole another thing. And we've um, strived to make it pan disability, so um it's not you and as a realtor user but it's it's certainly not a site just for real users we've got people who are real users who use walking aids who are visually impaired who are hearing impaired who are writing reviews on the site so that's another whole thing to try and um take into account of what are the what are the people who are using our site wanting from the site and what's helpful what's useful for for them so i i think that might be why as well i don't i don't know um, and I guess certainly in the UK, many disabled people probably, um, a lot of disabled people don't have, you know, the funds to start something like this up either.
1: Right.
2: Um, which is a which is a major major barrier as well, I guess. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Well, well,
0: well. While we've been talking here, I uh, actually signed up for uh, for the guide and uh, did my first review. It's the first review in Coquitlam, <laughs> British Columbia. Oh, really? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It is the review of the Guitar Dungeon,
3: <laughs> oh, great. which uh, unfortunately, <laughs>
0: unfortunately, is not getting very high marks for
3: wheelchair accessibility. Uh, Ryan, that's yeah. true. It would not. Yeah, I can carry them down the stairs. Now, <laughs> <laughs> with your dog jumping all over. That's you. right. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, sorry, the Guitar Dungeon is is the studio that we record in. It's actually Ryan's basement, and we affectionately re- refer to it as the Guitar Dungeon because uh, it's his, <laughs> it's his man cave, and he has he has a wall of guitars here. Amazing. Yes, Sounds great. Um, I was going to ask you about the venues and what type of relationship do you guys have with the venues? Do you have venues sort of come to you and say, "Look, we we actually want to get on the guide." Um, but Mm -hmm. we don't have anybody reviewing it right now, but can they sort of come on and, and just add themselves?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, venues, we, uh, yeah, absolutely. Venues can list on, on the guide as well. So that's, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so people can review anywhere. It doesn't have to have been listed with a venue already. They can review absolutely anywhere. Um, and any venue can list as well. And, uh, we also do a venue newsletter for venues that are signed up um, and they get things like top tips on how to, you know, make your venue a bit more accessible, that kind of stuff. And we tend to profile a venue that's done something quite interesting on, um, from an accessibility perspective or that has had, you know, huge numbers of reviews or something like that. So that's a monthly venue newsletter that we do as well. Um, and there are a lot of venues that are taking accessibility really seriously, or chains of venues, um, and um, yeah, which is which is great. And we get a lot of venues saying, "Please could you come and help us? Can you can somebody come out and review us? That kind of stuff." We're a really small team, so that's been a bit challenging. But as we're getting a bit bigger, um, and we've got um, we started an ambassador network as well that's enabling us to to help do a bit of that. So then you might say, look, we'll give someone, would someone like to, you know, here's some free tickets if they'll come, come along to whatever we do and, and, and write a review afterwards. So that's quite cool as well. Um, I think there's a real, I don't know what it's like in Canada, but here I think there's, um, there's just a lack of knowledge, I think. I mean, people don't get taught about this stuff in school, so... You know how do how does a venue owner know what what to what
1: to do? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Um, it's the same, it's the same here. It, it really is. Um, well, even as you know, a blind person myself, you know, like there's no source that I can think of or website I can think of to go to that would give me a list of accessible venues in Coquitlam, Burnaby, Vancouver. No, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
3: So Which something is, like this is very why useful. Is it really. Why isn't yeah. there? Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's funny. And, and and people do access audits, which is great for the venue, but that doesn't get published. And that's right. I would say as a consumer, I don't wanna read a I don't wanna read a audit document before I decide to go somewhere for dinner. I wanna read you know, I, I just wanna read some other people who are in a similar situation to me, how they got on. Um, you know, short kind of positive stuff. Um, yeah. And another thing I'd say about, I mean, something we've really tried to do with the site as well is to encourage people to write about their from a a, from a more positive where would you go angle rather than um, people writing about the negative stuff um, purely because it's just more useful for people Um, because yeah you want to be able to go on a site and find some good stuff to do and find some good places to go. and um, I think it's the more normal experiences, the more negative one, sadly. Um, it's the rarer stuff of the sort of the gems, but
1: So yeah. it, it, let, let me ask you this then. Is, um, is it tricky? Like, do you guys have to sort of moderate all the reviews? Do the reviews go through a, uh, like a, a review system? Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, they do. So yeah, everything's moderated um, by Steve and our team. Checks all the content. I would say I think we've only ever had to reject like I think we've rejected three reviews in our whole time, um, and that's only because people used, you know, didn't didn't use very nice language.
0: Right. Um, oh, it'll it'll uh, be four after the guitar dungeon.
2: I think one of them was written about three thirty in the morning. Yeah. Uh, no, it didn't reference accessibility. We also, yeah, if, there, if people aren't writing about accessibility and just yeah ranting about staff remember that they didn't like that's not we don't let that through but um yeah so everything but everything is moderated and then um, uh before it before it goes live yeah
1: because i can um, i could understand that i could understand how you know n- n- leaving sort of a negative or a bad review about the accessibility of a sort a certain venue isn't all that useful in terms of other people who want to like the, it, it'd be it'd be much more useful if they can click on a venue and it tells them what they can yeah. do as opposed to what they can't do.
2: Yeah. And uh, the, the negative stuff is still relevant and, and we publish all the negative stuff for sure. Um, it's just, we don't actually get that much of it. I think because it's so common to have sadly say I can get in or, you know, all that sort of stuff. I think, um, yeah, but, but you're right, it's more useful for the users to, to see the positive stuff of, I can actually go and do this, here's a good place to go on a short break, or here's a good place to, you know, that's what we think our our find our users are wanting to read. Um, and people are often quite constructive in their more negative feedback as well, sort of say, well, this was good, but if you did this and this, um, that would be helpful. And we do find right. that a lot of venues have changed their um uh, their facilities on the back of what the reviews are saying as well which is really great um and i think yeah sometimes the venues just don't know what what's right and what's not and they've just not asked any of their customers so to get feedback and then it's really nice when we hear that and they say they've they've changed stuff because of what what was in that review and we've had reviewers being contacted by the places um, saying, would you come in and, and come and meet us or whatever? And they won't, yeah,
1: um, yeah. Like th- that was going to be my next question, actually. If if you'd had any um, venues, sort of, you know, contact you uh, as as a result of a review, and which you know, again, that's incredibly valuable um, to both parties, because yeah. it's just human nature. Somebody's not necessarily going to make a big deal out of it, maybe in person. Um, because that can, you know, that can ruin your evening. You had to go talk to a manager or talk to a, you know, an owner. So it's much easier for them to just do it, you know, on their phone and then it's done. And and that way, that line of communication between the, you know, the, the user and the venue, um, is open.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, we've had quite a lot of, um, had a lot of examples of that, of venues changing things, um, afterwards which yeah which is which is great uh yeah
1: so it sounds like the the framework of the site is all up there I mean it sounds like really right now your biggest challenge that you guys are facing is just getting the word out there
2: yeah absolutely so I think people get it pretty quickly um what the site is and the usefulness of the site it's just um yeah more people know we exist as a resource to use and and for more people to write reviews about their their town, even if as i say even if it's only two or three things that places that you regularly go to that are great um yeah that would be just amazing and very quickly you can build up a, a really awesome knowledge bank for people just just through that and we hope this process is is very quick and simple and easy to use please, as I say, please do tell us if there's things that are are difficult at all. We're constantly trying to change the site to make it easier to use. But um yeah, it's um that's the real the real um request really is for people just to to, to tell other people um where where's good so they can they can also go and make a visit. I think people are often pretty surprised about some of the content on there. Something like we are when we read it. Um I mean we there was some of our favorite reviews are um a couple who'd gone on holiday to Rome and had just the best time um one of them's a wheelchair user um you know if you go to the Vatican you skip the queues um you get treated fantastically well they wrote about a wonderful hotel some wonderful places to go out you know and I think I think a lot of people would think you know i don't know if i could go to rome i don't know how that i'd get on what that would be like that's going to be very difficult it's a very old city um yeah and and we get all these exciting content coming in and and i think you know there's a lot of almost changing of perceptions going on as well um quite a lot of people say they read the guide almost a bit like a coffee book they love reading about all these places that are on there even if sometimes they know that they may never go there but it's still great to read about these places and these venues that have done great stuff accessibility wise um it's, it's really encouraging
1: yeah no absolutely um i mean heck there's i've i've heard of a coffee table book that was like basically just pictures of public toilets <laughs> so I mean I mean really. I mean we should
2: do one we should do one of accessible bathrooms. That would be Light. that would be great. We probably have that on all of our phones actually because we <laughs> just take pictures of accessible toilets all the time. Um so yeah. They're um yeah. We we um it's accessible. It's it's um World Toilet Day on Sunday, I think actually. <laughs> Is it really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah on the, ni- the 19th is a sunday isn't it so um yeah maybe we should all be talking about or we'll certainly be talking about accessible toilets and bathrooms yeah. on um, on sunday yep. Um, yep yeah so yeah it'd be. i think um we have a very few reviews in canada but it would um, be absolutely brilliant to have to um to have more
1: and don't forget our millions of listeners to this podcast.
0: That's right. The gazillions of listeners on AT Badger who are currently going to Ewan's Guide right now.
1: <laughs>
0: <And> only <laughs> only they don't know how to that. spell it because it's kind of a oh, different I know. spelling. E-U-A-N.
2: <laughs> um, I don't know how many Ewan's there are in Canada as a Scottish name, but um, yeah, E-U-A-N-S-G-U-I-D-E.com. But the other spellings of Ewan "should" work as well.
0: Oh, you read that's smart. You registered those too.
2: Yeah, as best we could. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Um, I'm sure there's still other spellings that well we yeah. haven't quite thought of yet.
0: Yeah, the one with so. the silent "w." <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: exactly that, yeah. that kind yeah. of one. Um, and um, and what what would you what do you think accessibility is like in Canada? Then, as as you say, it varies per province do you think bc is better than other provinces or
0: uh no not necessarily because um i mean it really is dependent on how old the building is um you know some have been retrofitted but typically if you want an accessible building a properly accessible building um it's it's generally going to be something newer um, okay. and, uh, you know, Vancouver probably has a fair bit of, uh, of stuff that is accessible because we do have a lot of new construction, but as soon as you get outside of Vancouver, uh, where there's not as much new construction, um, it, it gets really hit and miss, um, you yeah. know, particularly in, in small towns around the province. Um, mm. so yeah, I can, I can totally see where this guide could make a real difference for people you know traveling around in in uh, in Canada because they don't know where to stop they don't know you know where they can get a meal
1: yeah know. they don't even you know what, what pub can I go to that has an accessible bathroom I yeah. mean, you just you, you, who knows yeah you know there's yeah. there's no way to know
2: yeah and um, yeah it's a, it's a it's a yeah it's a funny one here I'd say as well that certain sectors are a lot stronger than others in terms of accessibility so museums and galleries that kind of stuff are fantastic generally very very good um but something like sports grounds that i would always think people would quite get this concept of accessibility given injuries and sports injuries and people's passion and connection to sport sports grounds can be really variable so um yeah it's a really interesting one that some people, yeah, why some people have thought of accessibility and why some sectors haven't done quite so much. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know if it's similar over there or not um, in terms of that sort of stuff.
1: So in the last four years, have you noticed a difference in terms of, of how much accessibility has become a conversation? Have, have you noticed it getting better?
2: I think so, but I, it's always hard to know because um, I, we're working in this area, so you're so submersed in it. Right. I think it's quite tough sometimes to to really judge that. But um, yeah, I think so. Another project we've run is um, a day called Disabled Access Day, um, where we've encouraged um, uh, venues to tell people that they're accessible and come and visit them, basically, and yep. One interesting story from that was, as well, a rather sad story, but there was a young, um, a young guy who's a wheelchair user tried to go to see the film A Theory of Everything. Mm-hmm. I don't know how big yeah. that was a with you guys, and he went to his local cinema, and the only or movie theater, and um, the screen that they put that on was in the one non-accessible oh, screening. Of course, it
0: was. Oh, I yeah,
2: know. yeah, um, and. Uh, every single, his mum went to the papers about that and he, it got into every single national newspaper. Oh, geez. This oh, story. And I was thinking, do you know, I think a few years ago, I don't, I think people would have said, wow, well, that's just life. That's just difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's hard. You know, accessibility is difficult. You know, I mean, you can't, you know, it's all very, very bit of a challenge, isn't it? That's just how it goes. So I think now people are getting, I think the younger, the Younger generation are um, think differently about accessibility. I think they have higher expectations of venues and people's attitude to inclusion. Um, I think there's greater inclusion now, and um, I think that's changed people's yeah expectations. Um, so I think younger people are a bit more fired up about. How disabled people should
1: be treated in society,
2: and therefore, I think it is definitely getting better. Um, it's just there's still a lot of work to do.
1: Yeah, from the people, the people that we've talked to. I mean, it's it's kind of an interesting because, and not not to be too cynical, because I don't I, I don't mean to be cynical about this, but I think part of the other reason for some of this changing is that the um, businesses are starting to clue in. That yeah. uh, there's a demographic out there. There's a, there's a client base out there that's untapped. That if they absolutely. just m- make themselves accessible and, and and cater to that demographic, it, it can mean a big bump in business for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that you get huge repeat visits as well. That's right. Um, there is a self-catering um, holiday cottage place that's, uh, that opens um it's about an hour an hour and a half away from from Edinburgh and it's by the seaside and they built these absolutely first-rate fantastic cottages that happen to be incredibly accessible and have thought of everything um and even for people with higher support needs and they have hoists etc but it's so beautifully designed you don't really notice any of the accessibility features per se because they're so well integrated and their occupancy has been absolutely amazing i mean you have to book out pretty much a year in advance to try and get in there now wow. and they're building another set of them and i think that demonstrates to us anyway the, the need for good quality um products in this space where you know if there is if you build good product and you tell people about it people will come Right. And um I mean we, 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 we had the same thing with one of the big music halls um who put in some very nice new wheelchair accessible viewing area and that was all great and there was only five spaces. Um and funnily enough when they put it in it's totally oversubscribed and people want to go all the time so they're now building more. Right. Um and yeah, I think I think people just maybe haven't thought about it on that side of things before, but are more so now. Um, so, um, so yeah, I hope that hope continues.
1: Now, is there an app, or are you guys planning to, to release an app for, for the guide?
2: So, we had an app. We've done a lot of more, a lot of upgrades to the website version, which is um, to the point that it works better on the mobile site than using the app at the moment, so we, we we don't use the app. We've pulled the app for now, but we're okay. going to redo that. Um, and um, yeah, we we signpost people really just to use the website on their on their phones or their iPads as um, yeah, which which works. Um, yeah, it's fully sort of mobile and um, responsive and all that sort of stuff. So yes, we will um, do an app again, but. Um, at the moment, just pointing people to the website.
1: Tell everybody where exactly they can find the site.
2: Oh, yes. So it's www.euansguide.com, which is E-U-A-N-S-G-U-I-D-E. And, yeah, please please do get in touch. Um, our email is hello at Please do let us know if you're interested in writing reviews or just want to hear a bit more about us or... Want to tell us that you don't like part of the site? That is cool, also, and we'll try and change it. Um, but we'd um, we'd love to have more reviews in Canada, um, and um, yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic. So it would be great to hear from people.
1: And actually, we have, we have a lot of listeners in the states as well. So hopefully, that gets okay. gets down to them as well. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, no, even more so. Yeah, so yeah, Canada and the US would be amazing, or wherever people are listening to your podcasts. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think the furthest away from Edinburgh reviews we have are, I suppose we have a few in Astoria, a few in the Philippines. Um, so yeah.
0: And so, one in Cocoa. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it makes it past moderation.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, listen, you know, uh, hopefully people people um, get on board because, you know, with this the crowdsourcing, it's only going to be as powerful as, as the community, you know, makes it. And so, you know, we I encourage anybody out there that's listening, you know what, just just write a review of your coffee shop or anything, yep. anywhere you go on a daily basis that, you know, that, that you want to write a review on, recommend it. You know, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to get a real value out of that, even though it's, you know, you take it for granted, so. Information is power.
2: Absolutely. It is absolutely. Thank Ki- you so much. That's great.
1: Kiki, thanks so much for uh, for taking time on your evening to talk to us. It was great. Uh, and um, let's talk again.
2: That would be great. Thanks so much, guys. Really nice to speak
1: to you. Awesome. Good luck with the guide, guys.
2: Thank you. Okay.
1: Bye. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Take care. Bye bye. What a great idea.
3: Yeah, it is. A, it is an incredible idea. Well, it's interesting that you know. Like I was saying earlier, there doesn't seem to be anything else out there that is doing this type of thing.
1: Well, does now, does Google Maps mark accessibility points?
3: Google
0: has a service called Local Guide, um, and Local Guide you can sign up for it, and it will ask you questions about different places that you've been, and it will ask you questions like, "Is there a wheelchair accessible washroom?" You know, or, right. or is is this wheelchair accessible? But it's asking that. Of the general public, so the general public doesn't necessarily have the same take on what a wheelchair accessible bathroom is, right? As somebody who's an actual wheelchair user, yeah, would, would trying to have. get into that accessible bathroom, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, Kiki talked about mm-hmm. you know somebody th- threw a bin in the wrong place, and and uh, all of a sudden they couldn't get into the the mm-hmm. washroom, so, right? You know, little things like that make a huge difference, and. Uh, I don't think the average person out there on the street is necessarily well-versed enough in disability issues to say no. for sure if something is or
1: isn't accessible. But that said, uh, it's better than nothing. It is better than nothing, but it also doesn't provide any sort of a channel uh, of communication, which is what the other thing that I really see powerful um, with the guide is that it, it opens up the possibility of change, of actually for users to be able to actually communicate with the venues and say, look, uh, you know, that's great. You have that accessible bathroom, but there's a bin in the way. And so if, if, if they can be using the guide, uh, to actually be able to, um, fix some of the problems. yep. Uh, I mean, that's, that's even more powerful than just having the guide itself. Yep. So, cause it creates a, you know, a conversation. So, which is, which is exactly what we need in terms of accessibility because there's a long way to go. I mean, it's one thing to legislate, you know, ramps and automatic doors in, in government buildings. But, you know, I was just kind of putting myself in their place. And, like, if I was in a wheelchair, I wanted to go to the pub. Like, literally, like, you, you wouldn't know where to go. Like, I don't know. Where, well, even, where can I go? Even
3: yeah. consistency in elevators. Some have, you know, the buttons labeled as ground floor. Others are lobby. You know maybe first floor there's really no consistency in buildings as to what's the ground level right right so you get in it might be l it might be g for ground it might be one for first floor you don't necessarily know how many bings or bongs are going to be if the elevator doesn't talk right right so you need some consistency as well.
1: Yeah, and I was I was glad to hear that that there was a, you know a, um, a visually impaired component to the to the guide because I, I was going to actually ask her that, but she kind of beat me to the punch. But because uh, that's incredibly important as well, because um, there's nothing like that either. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. know if you walk into any given building, you don't know if there's going to be braille signage, right? Or there's you
3: you don't know, you have no idea. Hey, Ryan, Rob, where can people find us? They can find us online at atbanter.com.
1: They can also email us, if they so desire, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. And if they're so inclined and use social media, they can
0: find us on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, we are atbanter, and on Twitter, we are at underscore banter. Damn, we're getting good at those. <laughs>
1: Aren't we? Oh. Yeah, man, we're just knocking them just out. We, we, it them used, to be, we used to be we used to make four takes. That's right. Yeah. Where, we're just, where are we? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Info at podcast <laughs> at, wait, what? Uh. See, I
3: should change the email address just to <laughs> yeah, just throw You, a, you should, a, yeah. <laughs> now <laughs> that, we've, now that we've got it down. <laughs> <arming> <laughs> <on myself. laughs> That's right.
1: Uh, well, Steve, where can people find you on the old World Wide Web? Well, my company,
0: Canadian Assistive Technologies, is at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H.com.
1: We should give a big shout-out to our good buddy, Rick Chant, as well, who runs Chaos Technical Services. Yes. Uh, for any of your assistive technology servicing needs, if you uh, your, your device is broken, or you need a battery, or you need a cable, or whatever, uh, reach out to Rick. You can find him online at www.chaostechnicalservices.com, uh, or you can reach out through email. I believe his email is... Chaostech at Shaw, S-H-A-W.ca. All right. Well, we're done, boys. Excellent. Let's go drink some more coffee. Render it. Oh, <laughs> render it. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening in, uh, and we will see everybody next week. Wait. Haven't you been Rob Minot Oh, oh! Yeah, we're we still doing that. I'm, okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm on the fence about doing this anymore. I don't. I, I don't know if we need to do. It. We. I don't know if we need to tell people who we are again. Yeah, I think they know by now. I, I wonder if. I wonder if that's just. I wonder if that's just overkill. See, again, we need we need listener input. We don't know. We're working in a vacuum. We maybe need, maybe we, we need, need to make the AT banter guide where people can review.
0: Maybe maybe we need you know a, a, a sign-off line you know sort of like Ron Burgundy, stay classy Cincinnati. That's
1: right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Well, we kind of do. I always we say we go. We always do the same thing. Well, when I say we, I say I should say me. I'm Rob Minow, and I watch Star Wars. That's right. Oh, uh, I forget how many more days. <laughs> it's uh, it's less than thirty. Did you hear that? Oh, never mind. Forget it. Uh, we'll talk about it on on our Star Wars podcast. We'll start up right after this one. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan's all over that. Alrighty. You still have to watch Rogue One before you can. I've seen Rogue One. one. All right, fine. I've seen it. You sure? Do yep. I have to check your DVD to make sure it's open? It's open.
3: All right. And it's also on Netflix. That's true. Or it was For on now. Netflix. For yeah. now.
1: For now. It's sad that all that stuff's going to disappear. Mm-hmm. It's going to leave a big hole.
3: Yeah, you'll have to subscribe to the Disney Network.
1: Yeah, I don't know, maybe. Well, no, actually, no. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, when is that stuff supposed to disappear?
0: I do probably.
1: Prob- I would bet you January. I bet you in the new year. Yeah. I bet you they'll...
3: It's probably when the contract's up. That's, yeah, it's going to be a shame. So What'll be a real shame is, well, I guess not necessarily everybody's into the, the tangible media like I am. You know, everything's going streaming now anyway, but I guess until the streaming quality gets to the blu-ray quality which is getting better and better yeah and we have the you know surround sound codecs that we have on the on the digital discs you know i still want the media but it's all going the way of the stream yeah
1: but but in a way that's bad for us like especially here in canada because we have these ridiculous uh data caps yeah so yeah it's one thing that you can stream like super super hd in blu-ray quality but it's it kills your bandwidth
3: well we also don't have the same access to content as the u.s does that's true which is really really silly yeah
1: so i mean we still need our blu-rays here you know and people mock me for like oh you still buy blu-rays i was like well yeah because if i really want you know a a real hd image and sound yep i i need it because where else am i going to get it Mm -hmm. without eating up my 40 gigs of
3: well, yeah, one you know, four K movie, let's say from Netflix, is probably gonna be thirty gigs. I bet. Yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I betcha. bet That's but that's generally how, how big a Blu Ray is.
3: Do do you guys ever
0: run into problems with that data cap? Because I, have, I haven't yet. I uh, have. I have two kids. But I don't download a lot. They both stream constantly. They're either on Crave or Netflix, and they're streaming con- or YouTube, and they're streaming constantly. Uh, my wife and I stream all the time um never have we run into our data cap or any well if we have nobody's ever said hey you ran into your data cap right so it's never been an issue yeah i think yeah, yeah I, I think
1: it depends it depends on on what i i've had heavier like i have a playstation 4 and a lot of times i'll, I'll buy games digitally uh and a lot of those downloads for a game are like 40 gigs hmm. wow that's a big game so um, well and you know like so it doesn't take long for me to hit a data cap on a, on a month where if I've downloaded a
3: couple games and but does streaming count against your data cap yep. or is it just downloading nope. it that counts against nope, your data streaming,
1: cap no streaming absolutely does does it okay. yep yeah because it's data coming down you're you know, it's it's still data that you're downloading you're just not keeping it hmm. speaking of games yeah Red Dead Redemption 2 I know I'm excited about that yep. when's that coming out is it next uh, year or is it this no I think be,
0: it's I think it's this year I think it's uh, next this,
1: month
3: oh That'll be good. I love that game. Oh, yeah, me too. All yeah. right. Enough game talk. All right. All right. All right. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we digress. Where were we? Oh, yeah.
1: We're, we were so close to ending the show. <laughs> so close. <laughs> All right. Well, then I have been Rob Minot. Stay
0: classy, Cincinnati.
3: <laughs> and I'm Ryan Flurry.
1: <laughs> and we will see everybody next week again. Yes, we will.